the first time I was ever in Africa, I was preaching the Youth Congress of Zambia. And I'm telling you, the building is not much larger than this platform, and they cram like 14 or 1,500 kids in that place, and uh, you know who haven't showered and, and everything else, and and uh, we smell real good, and and uh, you know our breath smells real good, but we don't care about none of that. They don't care about none of that. I remember after like the second service, I mean, they're just, it's like pandemonium, you know, in that sardine box. They're just dancing and carrying on. I'm thinking, man, I wish I could just dance. Like they don't just dance that they got the moves, you know, and when they dance, it looks good, you know, and, uh, and I even told them when I got to the pulpit one night, I said, when I get to heaven, my first request to the Lord, I'm going to say, God. You need to let this Zambia worship team lead us in worship a couple times to get this party started. And I sort of, I just, I, I felt discouraged that when I dance, it doesn't look good. And it was like the Lord just kind of quickened in my spirit and said, well, when you can't dance, but you still dance, it's even more valuable. <laughs> I can't sing, but when I do sing, did you know that the, the currency, the currency of your praise, the value of your praise is not in what you have. If you've got more problems, more heartaches, more failures, and you still praise, your praise is more valuable than somebody that's got it all together. And the song said, I'm dancing out of my Gucci. I'm dancing out of my grave clothes, which means I'm praising from a place of death. I was dead. I was lost. I was blind. But somebody came in and said, Lazarus. I'm not dancing because I got it all together. I'm dancing because I've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is on my side. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I think I'm going to read that again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this. In this, in this, will I be confident. <laughs> one thing, everybody say one thing. Now don't lie. If you're desiring many things, don't say one thing. 
David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That one thing I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And now somebody say one thing. Desire in one thing. That I may dwell in the house. Man, I want, all, I want all the gifts of the Spirit. I want to talk in tongues all day long. I want to prophesy. I want to see all the miracles. I want to see the dead raised to life. I want to see the disease cleansed and every other miracle we could find in the power of the Lord. But none of that matters if I can't dwell in His presence. He says, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle. Shall he hide me. He shall set me up. Upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up. Above my enemies round about me. Therefore. Will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy I will sing yea I will sing praises unto the Lord what a powerful passage of scripture I may not even get back to this scripture but just as a point of reference from this scripture I want to talk to you under the power of the Holy Ghost the weapon of praise the weapon of praise. Somebody just kind of unsheath your sword for a moment. That sword you just unsheathed in the air is a weapon of praise. And I declare in the name of Jesus that nothing is going to stop me from praising my king. Nothing's going to silence my praise. I'm going to use this sword on every foe, every enemy, every devil from hell that thought he had me in his grasp. I'm going to praise and bless the Lord at all times. I've got a weapon that nobody can come against. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated for just a moment. I didn't give them this verse of scripture, but just a moment ago, it kind of came to me. Um, Can you go to Luke 21? Verse 1 through 4. I made a statement before I read my text about the currency of your praise, letting you know, giving you an incentive to praise in your defeat because the value and the currency of your praise is really determined by what you don't have. Because it's easy to praise God when everything's together in it. But what I love to see, and as an evangelist, I'm always a guest, and I don't know all the details and the backstory, but what I love just about more than anything is when you see somebody take off running the aisles and dancing and carry on and rolling down the floor, and, and the pastor leans over and says, wait till I tell you what they've been going through. 
<laughs> See, before they say that, I'm thinking, man, they must have won the lottery. Woo! <laughs> man, they hit the jackpot. Come on. They hit it big this year. And then the pastor says, you don't know what they've been going through. What I love about it is when other people in the church, they know a little bit of the story. And they know that person running right there, they're not running out of strength. They're running out of weakness. <laughs> and it sort of just sets ablaze a service sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? It's not the person that has it all together that begins to praise, that encourages, incites, and moves a spirit of contagious praise throughout a service. It's the person that don't have anything at all that says, I'm going to praise anyhow. And I thought about the perspective of the king, the king of kings. Scripture does say that his ways are higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are above our thoughts. He, the way he thinks and the way he sees things is always different than ours. And that's why he says weird and ridiculous, almost absurd things like, if you want to save your life, you need to lose your life. If you want to be first, you need to be. And in Luke 21, he kind of gives us this little insight. And he talks about this lady that gave, and it says that he had looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. Next verse. And he saw a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more, more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury, that means deficit, that means deficient. Sometimes when we have to pay the bills, you know, and we give a check to somebody or whatever to the light company and we, we forget to transfer money over into the account, you wake up in the morning, Bank of America, it says insufficient funds. And they go, dear Lord, what's going on? You realize, oh, shoot, I forgot to transfer the funds. Her funds were insufficient, her penury, but her deficiency did not disqualify her. <laughs> she was deficient. She did have a deficit. Let's just call it what it is. In her deficit, she hath cast in all, look what it says, the living that she had. He didn't refer to the money. He referred to what the money produces in her life, her living, her livelihood. He said, in her deficiency, in her deficit, in what she didn't have, she gave all of her life. When they gave a piece of their abundance, she gave all of her deficiency. It's easy to withdraw. It's easy to hold back what we consider deficient, considering that in this life, according to the measurement of the five senses, your deficiency does disqualify you. I'm going to give you a revelation. I can't dunk a basketball unless the goal is about six feet high. 
My stature is deficient. My jump isn't as high as it used to be, and even when it was higher, I still couldn't dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. I'm deficient to accomplish that task. However, in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm, the Lord says, give me your deficiency. Because I, in my records, in my spreadsheet of finances, I deem your deficiency greater than their abundance. (laughs) Give me your weakness. Give me your brokenness. Praise me from your pit of despair. And when you praise me in the place of what you do not have, I consider it more than those who give me a piece of their abundance. That was not intended to be a part of this sermon tonight, but I think the Lord just wants me to encourage somebody tonight. Don't let your deficiency disqualify you from giving God every ounce of praise that you've still got left. There's somebody here tonight that has said, I can't dance like them, not because I'm white or don't have the dancing skills, but I can't dance because I can't feel that joy in my heart. There's somebody here tonight that says, I just don't feel like singing these songs tonight. I can't say these words with a sincere heart. There's somebody here tonight that may say, I can't run the aisle, but what you do have, give them that. If all you can do is clap. Clap your hands, then clap your hands. If all you can do is just say Jesus, then say Jesus. If all you can do is just stand to your feet and stand in silence, give them your silence. But whatever you've got, give him everything. I had three specific moments in the year preceding 2021. I don't want to say the number. I'm never going to say hindsight 2020 again. I'm going to refer to things that happened before 2020 as BC, before COVID. Have y'all seen pictures pop up on your memories, BC? And you think, man, I forgot how good I had it. (laughs) But there was three specific things. And I'm going to tell you at least one, maybe all three of them. We'll see how this goes. But earlier in the year, the Lord had taken us to Oregon. And and it's a very long story. But I'm going to tell you just the highlight and the point that I need to get to tonight. My wife and I, we, we base out of Austin, Texas, but we've spent almost the entire year. We've only been in our home uh, since January of last year. We've only been in our home probably about 13 or 14 days. And, and for whatever reason, the Lord had positioned us in Oregon. And right at the beginning of 
the COVID shut down, the Lord had positioned us to go back to Oregon again. And we went not knowing what we were supposed to do. And, and of course, as an evangelist, uh, my, my schedule, I, we travel full time, as you know, and, and it, it evaporated like that, you know, and I'm thinking, well, it'll just be a couple of weeks. And that's kind of what we all thought. And it went on and went on and on and on and on and on. And here we are today. And, and before I knew it, it seemed six weeks and eight weeks and, and, and three months and four months just evaporated. My schedule was gone. And, and there's more to the story, but again, I'll just get to the point of the sermon tonight. That I began to pray, and, and I said, all right, God, what, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I need to know what you're doing, and what do you want me to do? What's the direction? I have nowhere to go. I have, I have no schedule. I don't have a ministry. I don't, I don't know what to do, Lord. And here I am. You've brought us here to Oregon, and what do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke a very, uh, a very clear word, and, and, um, The Lord spoke to me and said, I I will tell you what I want you to do. And I will reveal my secrets for you if you will seek me diligently and seek me early. And um, I wasn't too happy about that word. I was looking for an answer and God gave me a direction. I was looking for a tree and God gave me an acorn, you know, and I'm thinking he didn't hear me very well. And I decided through some counseling with the Reverend Josh Herring, (laughs) shouldn't have counseled with him, because I had decided to do 21 days of praying and fasting where I would pray an hour before sunrise every morning for 21 days until I called him. And he said, 21, you're not doing 21 days. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, good. You're doing 40. (laughs) it's like god help me Uh, let me call somebody else real quick let me hey mom (laughs) yeah y'all know what i'm talking about and i was like all right 40 days here we go and again longer story short i remember the first couple of days and um i had sort of figured out that i can't kneel down at an altar at 4.30 or 5 in the morning and expect to stay awake. I found myself after several days backslidden four or five different times, I think, waking up an hour before sunrise. And I realized this whole kneeling at the altar or sitting in a chair thing ain't going to work for me. I keep falling asleep. I got to do something else. And across the street from where we've been staying in this trailer at my father-in-law's church parking lot right across the street is this beautiful mountain and you go up this mountain and there's this historical landmark of a park um, called Jenkins Estate and so I made up my mind I said okay I'm gonna go to this park every morning an hour before sunrise and I'm gonna pray and and I'm going to walk through the park. There's nobody out there an hour before sunrise. And, and I'll be by myself and I'm going to pray. And I ended up getting a few of my brother-in-laws. I got five of them and two sister-in-laws, big family. And I got a few of my brother-in-laws to join me on this endeavor. They're younger than me. One of them is uh, just turned 18. The other's 21. The other's 23 or so. And, and they joined me for 21 of those 40 days. And we would go up together. 
this mountain and it's just about a three or four minute drive and we'd get to Jenkins estate and they, they had, it's just a gorgeous place. There's vineyards and gardens and trees. I mean, the size, the, the width of vans, you know, they're just massive, like redwood style trees and it's just gorgeous. And, and, and we would walk and we would pray and we would sit down and, and oftentimes we would find ourselves there for three, four, five hours praying and, and the Lord, obviously he moved because when you seek the Lord and you seek him diligently, scripture says he's a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. So the Lord began to move in such a tangible, divine way. And, and uh, I remember one morning we went to a different mountain, about a 30-minute drive that overlooks the city of Portland and should have given them a picture of it. And it's called Piddock Mansion. There's this old mansion that's now a museum and you can go and, and we had to kind of sneak in uh, to the property because it was all shut down for COVID, but it's an hour before sunrise, so I thought we'd be all right. And, and if I get thrown in prison, I, I have a jail ministry. I've prayed people through the Holy Ghost in prison. And... And so we snuck in and we got on the, the lawn overlooking the city of Portland, downtown Portland, where all sorts of chaos is going on. And we began to pray and intercede and travail for the city of Portland. And I mean, I, I, we're all standing probably, I don't know, we're scattered probably about 20 yards apart or so. And we're all hands extended and we're praying. And man, I just kept feeling this resistance coming at me. And I thought, that's just me, you know. And, and, and it's okay to think that sometimes because, you know, we think, oh, that's just me. What, what's going on? I don't see anything tangibly and I don't see any demonic spirits. And I just kept praying and I'd feel that thing come against me and I'd feel that resistance come against me over and over and thinking, what is this? And finally I gathered the brothers together and I said, man, I, this may sound crazy, but every time I go to pray for this, I feel something hit me. And one of them spoke up, said, man, I feel the same thing. The other spoke up, said, I feel the same thing. And the other spoke, yes, I feel we all can firm we feel that same resistance and and uh, several days went by and we continued to pray and next thing I knew the the attack and the resistance that we felt that day kind of followed us home and started resisting us back at Jenkins estate where we were praying and and um, one of those mornings I was getting ready and it was 4 30 in the morning and I had just woken up and and at about 4.32, I hear a knock on the door, and it kind of startled me for a moment. You know, who's knocking on my door at 4.32 in the morning? And I opened the door, and it was the 17-year-old brother-in-law. And he's standing there, and, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? I thought maybe he was just coming to wait. You know, we're about to head over to pray. And he says, can I come in? I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, what's going on? He, he came in. He said, man, I've been awake all night. He said, I went to sleep, and about midnight, I woke up at 2 because I was attacked. He said, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And he said, I was attacked in my dreams. He said, I literally saw demons. I saw their faces. He said, I don't know how to describe them. They look like... I don't know, dead bodies or zombies or some kind of monstrous thing and they're bleeding from their faces and they were coming against me. And he said, I was standing in my church and they were all coming against me. And he said, next thing I know, I'm, I'm standing in my house and, and this is him. I had never talked about video games or movies or nothing, any of that. And he's telling me this and he says, I'm standing there in my room and I look over where I've got a TV screen and my, my Xbox and my video games. And he said, all these demons are coming at me and, 
He said, I kind of turn around and when I turn back, he said, the TV and the video games are on the floor and they're destroyed and every demon left. He said, but I've been so terrified, I can't go back to sleep. He said, and the Lord spoke to me and said, he said, if you want to break this spirit of fear, you need to go wash Chris's feet. 17 year old at the time, he's 18 now. So it was, it was so precious because he had never washed anybody's feet before. And so he had a bucket. He had a, one of those big coffee canteen pusher things. What are those? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Those big coffee canteen things. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, you push it and it comes. Y'all don't. Okay. And he had one of those things. And it was full of boiling water. A bucket. He had towels and he had dish soap. He said, I've never washed anybody's feet before, so I don't really know how to do this. <laughs> but he was doing the best he knew how to do. And I told him, I said, well, then listen to me. I said, you're going to sit right here and I'm going to wash your feet first. And I'm going to show you how to wash feet. And we're going to do this together. And then you can wash my feet. I said, you don't need the dish soap. Let's cool the water down about 100 degrees so we don't burn our feet off. He had, he had talked to me about struggling to break through in the Holy Ghost. He had not backslidden. He's, he's a great young man of God, but he had gone through a little dry spell where he was struggling to break through to the Holy Ghost. And I told him while we're washing each other's feet, he, I said, God's going to help you to break through in the Holy Ghost. And God did. And, and then when he was washing my feet, I, I was sitting there praying for him. And, and I, I'm not trying to share all his business, but, but I'm sitting there praying for him while he's washing my feet. And while he's speaking prayers over me and, and, and giving this sacrificial offering of praise and to God, all of a sudden I could literally hear the voice of a preacher come out of him. And I said, did you know you're called to preach? He said, no. I said, you're called to preach. I just heard the voice of a preacher come out of you. Well, then I go over to Jenkins' estate. He's waiting on the other brothers. And to wake up and get dressed and stuff, he's going to ride with them. And when I get to Jenkins' estate, I'm walking and pacing the grounds, and I'm, I'm having a good time for just a moment. And all of a sudden, I just feel this, like a wet blanket just weighed down on me. And I think, no, I'm pushed through. In Jesus' name. And I just, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and I stop. It's about five in the morning, and I start kind of doing this. Looking around, I don't see nothing. I'm thinking, there's somebody here. You ever had that eerie feeling? Somebody's watching me. Somebody's here. And I'm turning around, and, and I realized, oh, it's that devil. <laughs> it's that demonic attack. And so, you know, me being Mr. Evangelist, and I got to scream and shout and spit and sweat, I, I, I'm ready to just knock this thing out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to rebuke this devil, and he's going to get out of here. And the Lord says, no, you don't need to rebuke him. He says, just praise me. He can't stand it. And I'm thinking, but, but, but that, that's not what I've been taught and that's not what I've read and that's not all this and that. He said, just praise me. He can't stand it. He'll leave when you start praising me. Demons tremble. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. <laughs> 
You don't have to spend all your time focusing on him. If you focus a little bit more on him, this one's got to leave. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll get out of there. So I start marching these grounds and I start praising the Lord in the name of Jesus. I worship you. I praise you. This don't make a lick of sense. I'm surrounded by devils right now. But in the midst of my enemy, let me send up a praise unto the King of Kings and the Lord. I'm telling you the truth. Instantly, I felt that thing lift. I felt a liberty. You know why? Where the spirit of the Lord is. I don't care what spirit you got in your home or your car or your job. Let the spirit of the Lord show up. You got a spirit of addiction in your home? Let the spirit of the Lord come in. You got a spirit of bitterness and anger in your home? Open up your windows. Open up your door and say, Spirit of the living God. Let me take a commercial break. I think this is an old-fashioned service because we saw bobby pins on the floor tonight. So let me jump back in time. I, I remember watching my grandma do that all the time. She used to open the front door and get the broom out. My, she would let me, now we weren't UPC at this point, she would take us to Blockbuster and we'd go get a movie and I wanted to see a scary movie that all my friends were talking about at school so we rented it, kind of hit it, you know got a movie, yep uh, Veggie Tales, uh huh, yep and she would, my grandma would either be in the kitchen cleaning or cooking and she was always in that kitchen cleaning or cooking and so we knew she, she's old, she can't hear very well you know, and so we'd put the movie in and I said about I was like this, this close to the TV, because the volume was on one. <laughs> it's funny how kids think they're real sly, you know? What you sitting so close to the TV for? Oh, cataract. <laughs> We're sitting this close to the TV because we don't want her to hear. And I don't remember the exact quote of the movie, but... Uh, <laughs> It's still like a running joke in our family today. My grandmother is literally in the kitchen mopping the floor. I mean, like two rooms away. And she's old. She don't hear nothing. And all of a sudden, this guy, he says, he said, I would rather be a friend of the devil than in his path. That's what the guy says in the movie. All of a sudden, we hear a crack. The mop, the mop hit the floor. She comes stomping in there and says, get that right hand of the devil mess out of my house. She takes that, VH, that VHS, y'all don't, some of y'all don't know what that is. It's a, it was a videotape. She takes it out of the VCR and she throws it out the front door. She goes and gets a broom and starts sweeping the devil out of her house. And she says, devil, get up out of my house. She goes back to the living room. She tells me and my cousin, she says, get on the floor. We're going to pray until you get Get refilled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
I know that's a little old fashioned, uh, but I think it's desperate. uh, And I think in desperate times, uh, we need desperate measures. Uh, We need somebody uh, to take up a broom in their house uh, and say, devil, I'm sweeping you out tonight. Uh, You're not going to stay in my house. Uh, One more second. Okay, so the release happens and my brothers show up and I I go to telling them, I said, guys, you got to hear this. The Lord gave me a revelation on the uh, on praise. It is a weapon for us. And I I told them the story about how I felt the the attack and the resistance. And all of a sudden I began to praise and boom, it was gone. And and I I looked at the other, the, the teenager brother who had been attacked that same morning at two in the morning. And I said, tell your story. And he told his story how demons came at him in the middle of the night. And God was telling him, you gotta get rid of that mess and that media and those video games, that all that junk. He said, get rid of that junk. He told his brothers, he said, I'm getting rid of the, those video games and all that mess. And he said, the Lord showed me I gotta get rid of that. There's spirits attached to that. And and um, the, the other brother, another brother, the, the 21 or 22 year old, he looked at us and said, well, I need to tell you what just happened to me. He said, last night as I was walking home, uh, he said, I decided to go by the church and pray. He goes by the church. He's the maintenance guy at the church. He lives on the property. And, and so he's at the church all hours of the day and night. And he said, I go by there all the time and late at night, middle of the night. He said, I've never once been scared. He said, I went in there about 11 o'clock last night, went up to the sanctuary, went to the sanctuary, went up to pray. And man, I felt so scared. I could not move. I was frozen in place with fear. He said, I literally thought, If I open my eyes, I'm going to see a devil. He said, I was so afraid. And he said, eventually I was able to sort of break loose of that and pray a little bit. But I got out of there and I prayed last night. I said, God, if this was from you, I need some answers. I need direction. He said these words that night before. He said, if this is you, will you give me direction tomorrow morning through Chris? And it was that next morning when God gave me that simple revelation. If you'll praise me enough. (laughs) See, something has happened. And it hasn't happened here so I can talk about it. Something has happened a little bit. And I've talked to a few friends and ministers of mine. Mark Brown is one of them. He's preached here. And he's one of my closer friends. And we've talked a lot about it recently. And there's something about this whole COVID situation and and all this stuff that goes into 2020. I'm just going to say it like that. Everything that has sort of transpired through that year that has sort of just brought this spirit of silence and oppression the first thing my wife noticed uh, was the people who are, 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 are consistently used in the gifts of the Spirit aren't being used in the gifts of the Spirit. She said people who are used in tongues and interpretation, they're not being used in tongues and interpretation. There's this, this, this mute spirit, this dumb spirit uh, that has come against the church to try to silence us because I think that the world, the spirit of the age and the spirit of Antichrist knows the power of our praise. See, I'm not just trying to get you hyped up tonight because there's something much more profound than just a hyped up emotional response of praise. I think we can use praise as a weapon. Anybody else notice how easy it is to be negative these days? 
I remember the first time I got angry during the COVID shutdown. I was going into a coffee shop. I had a bandana on over my face, and I'm on the phone, and the bandana falls down. So I'm on and and I didn't I couldn't tie it back up so I just put the mask over like this and I'm holding the mask on the phone and they kicked me out of the coffee shop get out you can't be in here unless it's tied up in the back something powerful about the the knot in the back I don't know (laughs) I got so mad my wife she she's the sweetest girl in the world And she went into a store and they kicked her out. Her mask wasn't up to standard or something. She got, I saw my wife get mad. She got angry. I saw one of those memes, you know, it said, I know my face looks calm, but in my head, I'm punching you in the face three times. And it was Kermit the Frog just sitting there, you know. My face looks calm, but in my head, I'm, I'm punching you in the face three times. You're laughing because you've thought the same thing. Seems like there's so many ingredients of negativity. <laughs> Can I read a verse of scripture? And you won't kill me? It's the Bible. Deuteronomy 13 and 6. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And if you get mad, you just don't, get, don't sue me. Suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother. Everybody say brother. Your son or your daughter, your beloved wife or your closest friend. And says, let us go worship other gods. Gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. Suppose someone entices you, even your closest companions, your friends, your brothers, and they say, hey, let's, let's, let's go do something else. They might, verse 7, they might suggest that you worship the gods of peoples who live nearby or who come from the ends of the earth. Verse 8. But do not give in or listen. Now, preface time okay what's true of the old testament in the physical is applicable to us in the spiritual of the new testament okay you understand why i said that because it says have no pity or do not spare or protect them you must put them to death strike the first blow Don't wait for it to be self-defense. Strike the first blow. And then all the people must join in. Stone the guilty ones to death. Because they have tried to draw you away from the Lord your God. Who rescued you from the land of Egypt. I'm going to say that again. They've tried to draw you away from the Lord your God. Who rescued you. From bondage. From slavery. The place of slavery. Verse 11. Then all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. And no one will act so wickedly again. Okay. Everybody just let your. We made it. We made it through that verse of scripture. 
What does this do have to do with the weapon of praise? Because anything that is not of God, anything that wants to deter the move of God, hinder the move of God, anything that wants to obstruct your walk with God, your ministry with God, is a negative voice. Anything. And the number one thing, the first thing a negative voice will do is rob your ability to praise. I can't praise when I'm angry. Do you know how hard it has been to praise watching church online? Oh yeah, the first couple times were cute. Wow, look at that. Man, they're doing online. That's cool. Ten weeks later, man. They need to get it together up there. The sound's all messed up. Scriptures aren't up there. My God in heaven. The spirit of the world wants to do anything it can do to silence the praise of the church. Let me just say this real quick. The devil didn't send COVID. He didn't start. He's not that powerful. But what he does is he tries to use every opportunity according to the season at hand. He's a chameleon. Oh, COVID. All right, I'm going to try to use this. And isn't it amazing? I've been living on, we'll just say West Coast. I've been living over there. It's just been so crazy, so bizarre, so many double standards. It's still illegal to have church there. My father-in-law is a criminal. They're having church. And it's so funny because not only did they talk about mandates to keep us out of church, before that they said, okay, well, when you go to church, you can't sing. And you can't shout. And you got to keep the mask on. And one thing that they wrote, I have it as a picture, I screenshot it. One thing they wanted to implement in this little regulation for churches was, it literally said, and no one can speak in tongues. Because <laughs> speaking in tongues spreads viruses. Yeah, the virus is called salvation. The virus is called hope. The virus is called faith. The virus is called a breakthrough. And there's just something about speaking in tongues that when I can't seem to get through and I can't find my way out, there's just something about praying in the Holy Ghost that seems to light up my path and give me hope to keep on going. says don't listen to the negative voice kill the negative voice you gotta silence the negative voice I want to give a word of faith and instruction tonight that if there's any negative voices trying to silence your praise it's time to turn it off it's time to shut it down and it's time to pray it's time to praise the Lord. 
silence the voice of negativity. Drown it out with an overwhelming sound of praise unto the Lord. You know how I know that? A few months later, I'm still in Oregon, all right? And this guy, okay, I don't have time to tell, 38 minutes. Forgive me for preaching 38 minutes thus far. And here comes this guy, okay? We'll just call him a charismatic. I don't know, that's just kind of the label we give to these guys. He's got long, blonde, curly hair. He's in California, and it's illegal at this point to have any sort of gatherings. And he said, no, forget all that. I'm going to have a big gathering. And he started something called Let Us worship and at the beaches he had literally thousands up to 10,000 people on a beach in California and I didn't know anything about it until a minister a friend of mine in Oregon said watch this he said watch what he says because I had been sharing my heart with him about going into the streets and going into the highways and the hedges and getting out of the church and and wanting to be the church and going and spreading the word of God and and here's this guy who 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 doesn't have all the truth and, and, and but he's doing the best he can and that's what I love I see people who they don't have an abundance of this but they got two mites uh, and they give God everything they've got I, I respect people like that and forgive me for not criticizing somebody that may not have every jot and tittle of the doctrine just yet but let me just another commercial break I'm sorry he saw this guy who he was baptizing in the titles. He saw Victor Jackson's video from Minneapolis or Minnesota where George Floyd was killed there. And, and he saw Victor Jackson's video talking about the name of Jesus. So this blonde-haired surfer dude, he goes to Minnesota. And while he's there where Victor had been, he meets some UPC preachers who are baptizing in the streets in the name of Jesus. And from that day, he changed his formula of baptism. Now, wait, you may not want to praise yet because it's not. Instead of saying, I now baptize you in the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, I've seen him baptizing and he says this, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Ghost. I told my friend, I said, he's coming. He's getting it. Come on, somebody needs to see more than the hole in the donut. So, He's in California now doing one of these lettuce worship deals. And the guy, my friend, sends me a clip of it. And this is what he says. While everybody in Oregon is hunkering down because there's riots and murders and wildfires and all sorts of mess going on. Oh, man, I got to stay on track here because there's things like my spirit, my flesh wants to say. But I'm not going to go there, okay? There's crazy stuff going on. We'll just say that. Is that okay? Crazy stuff. Is that all right? Crazy stuff. All right. And this guy in California, who's he, he don't live in Oregon. He stops and he says, I'm going to Portland, Oregon tomorrow because there's revival in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) And I'm supposed to be the apostolic Pentecostal man of God. And this guy says, I'm going where you've been hunkering down. And so I said, well, if he's coming, I got to go see what this guy's doing because I'm going to start doing this stuff too. And we're going to start having crusades. If this guy can have crusades, we can have crusades. And I'm not in competition with this guy. 
I'm not even in competition with the devil. There's one thing I'm in competition with. That's time. That's it, time. So I go down there and I missed half of it. I get there late that evening and me and my brother-in-law, we go down there and I said, man, we need to be respectful and wear our hazmat suits and masks and goggles and everything and gloves and be respectful to the people down there. We go down there, they're right smack dab in the middle of downtown Portland right in the middle of all the riots and, and, and all the chaos going on over there. They're having a crusade of thousands of people. We get there and no one's wearing a mask. There's police protection. And we walk in, take our masks off, wanted to fit in, and we get in there. Everybody's, I mean, linked up together. I'm, I'm just observing. I'm amazed I'm looking around and I'm watching people receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I'm thinking, this is amazing. They go, there's a river right there and it's, it's super cold up there. The water's so cold. And they go down and they have five people baptizing at the same time. And they're all baptizing. I mean, five at a time. And, you know, my initial reaction was, well, but, you know, they're saying Father and in Jesus and, and Holy Ghost. And, and God said, don't worry about that. He said, what I want you to see is the opportunity. He said, because if you had been the one baptizing, this same amount of people would have come. But you didn't go. They did. So I'm standing around. I'm walking around with my brother-in-law. And I notice, I'll just call them this. A riot group shows up with megaphones. They're sitting there with their megaphones. And they're cursing and they're shouting. They're screaming as so loud. You can see the veins in their neck bulging. And they're, they're trying to sabotage that service. The next night, just to jump ahead, the next night they got so aggressive, they came up to the platform and demolished all the musical instruments and the sound equipment. But the, the night that I was there, they weren't that bold yet. And they just brought megaphones and were shouting and screaming and carrying on. And when I looked at them, it was so funny. Because when I looked at them, I thought, are they saying anything? You couldn't hear them at all. <laughs> you couldn't hear them at all. It was just like. couldn't hear them because the sound of the worship and praise was so loud and God spoke to me and said do you see now you don't have to focus so much on them you don't have to focus so much on the the, the enemy and what comes against my church if you'll just praise me loud enough if you'll just praise me out of your abundance out of your deficiency out of your weakness out of your strength out of your failure if you'll just praise me with everything you've got you won't even be able to hear the voice of your attack The reason I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost has brought this word to this service tonight at the beginning of 2021 is for this group of apostolic believers to declare warfare with the weapon of praise.
Let me encourage you right now. You're not going to scare any devils talking about how bad it's been. You're not going to scare any devils complaining about what happened in 2020. But every devil's going to leave when you say, I will bless the Lord. You had me down, but rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. I shall arise. I shall. Somebody give them your two coins. Somebody give them your two mites. Give them everything. body right now lift your hand lift your hand pain in your body I wish we had about four hours to take this mic and just go around and say complain for a moment tell us how bad it is because we want to see the value of your praise because in just a second, when you start running on that bad leg, I want to know that's some real praise right there. I got a torn MCL and ACL and meniscus in one knee. They botched the surgery back in February. They got to do it all over again, but I'm praying the Lord heals me. I got pain in my knee. Anybody got pain in your body? But see, when I start dancing, I say, my praise is even more valuable. Because when I do it, it costs me something. When I do it, it hurts. It hurts when I praise. That's why God wants my praise. Say, standing, watch this. Psalm 149. Someone gave my wife a book on spiritual warfare. She, she was reading it. She gets to the last chapter. And I told my, my baby, I said, Danielle, I think that praise is a weapon. She's like, what? I said, we need to use praise as a weapon. She says, look at this book on spiritual warfare. Turn to the last chapter. The title of the chapter is The Weapon of Praise. I start reading through that chapter, and it has this verse here. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. It didn't say in the good dance. Just in the dance. We're going to do that. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. That word salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. That's Jesus. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Here it is. Verse 6. Are you ready? Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword 
to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains. You have the power to bind the strongholds with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. Watch this. This honor. This is your honor. Have all the saints. Your honor. It's your honor. It's my honor. We're honored to have a sword called praise. It's no coincidence that this is the last verse of this chapter, but he continues writing in the next and says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the sultry and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I told you there were three situations. And I don't have the strength to go into detail of the third other than to say that most of you know that on November 28th, my daughter passed away. We got to hold her for about six hours after she died. I couldn't put her down. I knew it would be the last time I'd get to hold her. My wife, stronger than I am, says, we're not putting her down until we can praise God for what he has done in our lives for he gives and he taketh away I did not possess the strength to lay her down that last time until I began to say I praise you Lord I worship you Lord you are great and greatly to be praised I didn't want this outcome I didn't want this conclusion but you're still my God I praise you for your excellent greatness. If you have pain in your body or if you have pain in your past, I want you to start praising him right now. Somebody take out that sword of praise and say, look out, devil. I'm about to cut your head off with the weapon of praise.
Pastor Myers, I feel a prophetic praise in this place. I feel a prophetic praise in this place right now. Did anybody know that your praise can be prophetic? Scripture says in Psalm 67, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then, everybody say then, shall the earth yield her increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. It says, let the people praise thee. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth bring forth a harvest. And the Lord shall bless us. I feel a prophetic praise in this place right now. I feel somebody wants to step up and say, God, I'm still hurting, but I praise you for when you do heal me. I praise you for when you do revive me. I praise you for when... There's a mother, there's a mother, there's a father that says my children are still lost, but I praise you for when you bring them back. Come on, somebody just give them a praise right now. Somebody give them a prophetahashata. Somebody praise them in the dance. Praise them in the dance. Praise them. Let everything that has breath. The heavens are broken. The heavens are open. The spirit is moving.
felt the Lord just speak a word to me. Say, there's a deep healing here tonight. There's a deep healing here tonight. It's not superficial. It's not shallow. There is a deep healing, anointing of healing in this place right now. Somebody's going to praise their way into a healing right now. This is what I feel to do, and I felt it as Brother Fuller and Brother Myers just joined together, and they began to praise. I kind of felt like they were praising for me. And as they were praising with me, I felt the Lord speak and say, there's deep healing in this place right now. I feel there's emotional healing. There's healing for families in this place right now. There's healing for marriages, healing for children. There's physical healing in this place. What I want you to do, and you guys know the atmosphere of the context better than I do in this church. So I tell you this, I want you to link up with somebody where you feel it's appropriate right now. I want you to link up together because there's some people that may not be able to praise right now because there's such a deep hurt, a deep pain. There's scars, there's wounds. They say, I I don't know if I can praise right now. Well, you're going to help praise for somebody in their place. I don't normally do this. This isn't really my kind of thing, but I feel to do it right now. I'm just going to count to three. And what we're going to do we're going to pull out that sword of praise you may have to pull out your sword for somebody else's need you may have to praise for somebody else right now they may not be able to praise them in the dance you may have to do it for them but when I shout three and we pull out that sword of praise you're going to give God everything you've got You're not going to give them a piece of your abundance, but you're going to give them everything you've got. And when we begin to unleash that weapon of praise, healing is going to begin to take place all over this room. There's going to be emotional and physical healing that takes place all over this room. As you're linked up together, I don't want anybody standing by themselves unless they have requested to be alone. I don't want anybody standing by themselves. If you see anybody standing alone, I want you to link up with them. I want you to go ahead and pull out that sword. And when I count to three, we're going to unleash that weapon of praise in this atmosphere. And I prophesy in the Holy Ghost that God is going to inhabit the praises of his people tonight here it comes by the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus we give you all the praise one two Praise! Oh! 
That's it. That's it. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise. I praise you in this place. I praise you with my voice. I praise you with my dance. I praise you with my soul. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hey, 